0: Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your businesses or restaurants recycling program. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 163 of the Jackson Hole Connection, where each week fascinating people connected to Jackson Hole share their story and their impact on the world. Support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, which is reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Please remember to make use of reusable bags when you go shopping. Doing so helps reduce what is sent to the landfill. Additional support comes from Jackson Hole Marketplace, serving freshly made breakfast burritos and artisan sandwiches Monday through Friday. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Thank you for everybody who's tuning in and welcome to all of you new listeners. My main mission is to bring you fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. So let's get out there and connect a little bit more by sharing this podcast and giving it a rating and review. I feel that we all have a story to share and I want to bring you stories and you can share these stories with your friends through social media. Sharing stories allows us all to learn and grow so we may live full lives. And today's guest, Jerry Bielek is a former business owner, now localized librarian and podcast host himself. Jerry always wanted to own a bookstore, so he decided to purchase one in the best time, right around the recession of 2008. Well, with great focus and determination, Jerry and his bookstore survived and thrived. A little bit later down the road, Jerry moved to Jackson Hole for a special someone and has been at the library since moving here in 2017. And did you know the most accepted government entity? Well, Jerry's going to tell today. And do you know that libraries loan out more than books? Yeah, they do. And Jerry's going to share with us today some unusual items other libraries have available for loan. My family and I visit the library several times a month. My son, Lewis says visiting the library by himself is his favorite day of the week. And today, Jerry's going to share with us what makes our local library such a wonderful place to enjoy Jerry, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Wonderful to have you here. Thanks for having me on the show. You betcha. So let's start off with getting your background and how you became connected and are connected to Jackson Hole. So where did you grow up and when did you land here? I grew up in the
1: Midwest. I grew up in Janesville, Wisconsin, and lived in the Midwest until January 1st, 2017 when I moved here. Um, so I've just been here a few
0: years. What brought you out here from Jamesville, Wisconsin? And is does Jamesville have any historical significance?
1: Well, let's see. Jamesville is, it was the home to the oldest general motors plant in the country till it closed down a few years ago. And, uh, Brookie Omens who you interviewed a little while ago is also from Jamesville. We went to the same high school, but I did not actually know him until I moved here. And I've met two people from Janesville, but did not know them there, but met them here.
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, you got to meet at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Might as well be Jackson, Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I was living in Minnesota. I used to own a bookstore and uh, I started dating an old friend who's lived here since 1989 and decided that, you know, long distance wasn't going to work out as well as moving
0: here. So I moved here. I found a job and moved here in January of 2017. A bookstore owner. Yeah. I had the honor recently to interview uh, Wendy, who owns, now owns Valley Bookstore. And tell me about your bookstore that you owned. And that was in Jamestown? That was, in, uh,
1: that was in Northfield, Minnesota.
0: Okay. And... uh
1: I owned that, let's see, from 2006. And then I sold it in 2014. Um, so bookstores have always been my background. I've worked in a lot of bookstores. I'd done it for, I think, about 24 years um, and always wanted to own my own store. And so I, I made it happen. I just I bought a store and remodeled it and revamped it. And things took off. Even through the recession, the recession was really hard. Like, I just opened in 20, 2006, things were going great. And then the economy just collapsed and everybody panicked. And, you know, you're on the hook for this brand new business going, how do I make payroll? Mm-hmm. But it worked out. I really, you just had to hustle, I had to hustle a lot. And the recession, you know, I wouldn't want to do it again, but it, going through something like that really forces you to look at everything you do in your business and makes you smart. Yes. Like COVID, you know, I mean, I I do not envy people like you owning a business during this. It's like, what do you do? Like, especially when it's first happening, you know,
0: Uh, it's crazy. Lots of communication with staff. Yeah. And talking to other people, um, not feeling as though you are operating in a vacuum or alone, talking to people in any industry that you can. And passing that information over back to the uh, employees as well, and having clear communication with the customers. Um, It's you know this interview is about you, not me. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's you know communication is so critical for the foundation of how life moves. Right. And there's different types of communication, of course. But when you have engaging, productive positive communication, a lot can be accomplished.
1: Yeah. I had, I basically had to communicate with my customers and convince them that the world was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, people would come in and they're like, I can't afford to buy books anymore. I'm like, well, did you lose your job? No. Did you take a pay cut? No. What happened? You know, you Mm -hmm. see retirement income dropped when the, when the stock market dropped, the value of your house dropped because it was this housing cre- bubble that burst. But I'm like, those things are going to come back. And, you know, so I started working with them. I sold new and used books. And I was like, bring your old books into me and trade them in. Don't take cash. I'll give you more in trade credit. So I could get inventory at low cost, no, no cash really, mm-hmm. and give them more value for their inventory, for the books they were selling. There you go. convince them, to, you know... And the interesting thing was there were three bookstores in this town, two of them closed during the recession. So I was the last one standing and people would come in and didn't want, it was, there were two colleges and they are like, I don't want to live in a town with two colleges and zero bookstores. Hmm. And so I got a lot of support that way. And you know, it's a small town, so you know, everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, I was on a first name basis with most of my customers.
0: That's that's a special place. Bookstores... I think create a quite a bond with people. Um, I worked at a college bookstore. My brother did. I did. My brother's roommate, Michael, and my roommate, Richie. We all worked at the same bookstore, University of, it's called the Univers- it's called University Bookstore. No, it's called the Alabama Bookstore. Sorry, guys. It was <laughs> the, it's called Alabama Bookstore. It was right on, um, right on the strip. And we, I remember during book buyback, oh my, Gosh, how busy we were. And then we had to yeah. clean all those books. Yeah, and get them ready for resale.
1: Yeah. I worked in a college bookstore for a while too. And it was just these really intense the first week of classes and then at the end when you're buying them back. It's so intense.
0: Yeah, it is. Now, when you moved here in 2017, you said you got a job. Is that at the library? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been here
1: since, you know,
0: January 3rd, I think was my first day. All right. And tell me, what is it that you do at the library other than help my son? <laughs> yeah, I order books. I order and other materials. I order audiobooks
1: and CDs and DVDs. I'm what's called a selector. And so we choose the materials that are going to be in the library. And I work on the youth side. So I order children's books and young adult and, um, it's pretty cool cuz my background in bookstores was essentially choosing inventory to sell and now I'm choosing inventory to, you know, have people check out and borrow. It's pretty fun, you know?
0: Is is there a difference between selecting books to sell versus selecting books to loan?
1: A little bit, but for the most part you try to figure out what do people want? And when I look at a list of books, there's a group of books that you know you want popular authors or a series that's been really popular. You're like, those are books we know we want. And then there's a lot of books that are really esoteric. And you think, okay, those are ones we don't want. Mm. There's all this stuff in the middle. And you have to figure out, because you only have so many dollars and so much shelf space. and like, this book looks great and this book looks great, but which one is going to circulate? Which one are you know patrons in Jackson, Wyoming going to want to check out? Uh, and in a bookstore, it's the same thing. Which, one, which books are people going to buy from me? You know, and with buying them, sometimes price was a bit of a factor because you, if it was too expensive, you knew you couldn't sell it. Mm -hmm. With checking them out, the patron doesn't care how much the book costs. They just want to read it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have a little bit more leeway in some ways, but it really comes down to trying to get it right and trying to figure out what what do people want from you? It's like a liquor store.
0: Sounds like any type of operation where you have a customer and- Coming up with the secret sauce to determine what is it that your customer wants. Exactly,
1: that's yeah. it. So a <clears> lot <throat> of talking <throat> to people, a lot of reading reviews of stuff, uh, a lot of industry knowledge and experience, and you know, nobody wants to fail. But if I order a book and nobody checks it out,
0: I'm probably not going to lose my job. You know? No, I I would hope not. I'd hope yeah. not. Now, so, do you guys keep stats on? the how many times a book keep gets checked out
1: yeah okay yeah, i look at it. in fact i looked up a book today it had checked out 203 times and i find and i just ordered a new copy because it had finally just fallen apart um, but 203 people took that book home mm. and you know i was like that, that's a lot usually the, they make it to about 60 75 checkouts before the the spine has just you know it's just fallen apart the pages are falling out And it's had so much love that it's time for a new copy. Especially in the kids section. Yes. Especially there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of that. They get loved or treated with um, vigor.
1: Yes. And that's cool because, you know, especially with little kids, you want them to have that experience with a book. You know, um, we talk about, especially like teachers tell me this and we talk about it with parents. Just getting a child to sit down with a book for 20 or 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. you know, and eventually they start to read and they start to experience that, but you want them to have that experience every day so that they build in that habit. So that becomes a part of their life.
0: I mean, I, I think my wife and I have one of the few kids out there that you have to tell them, put the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Put the book down. Share the book with your brother.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um, um, but it's pretty cool because that's going to serve them through their entire life. It will. Yeah, it, it certainly will. So, being in the world of library, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, I I know the library here in Jackson is very different from the library experience from when I grew up. When now on the adult side, it's quiet. Yeah. For the most part. On the kids' side, it's fabulous. I love the separation because kids can be kids and they're going to be kids. Yeah. But when I was growing up, it was books and the old microfiche. Right. And I think there might have been like a conference room in the library or a study room, something like that. But now our library and i'm curious how our library compares to other libraries in small communities and municipalities but now there is an enormous amount of services different media that can be checked out how has the library transitioned into being a media provider
1: you know we're it's a very dynamic place and you know i'm i'm right there with you that i grew up in a place where you went to the library to get books they had records um, mm-hmm. But now we've got video games. Uh, we have streaming services. You know, we have a service called Canopy that's, that's like Netflix, but it's for libraries. So it's free. And the goal is always to try to figure out what do people in your community need and want. You know, we offer tutoring and you can, if you're getting ready for the ACT, you can take a course through us. And we have all kinds of online courses and language courses. There are libraries out there that will check out uh, ties. So if you're, what? Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking for a job and you've got an interview and you think I need a tie, but I don't want to buy one, you can check one out from a library. Uh, we don't have that here, but we have, we have all kinds of other, you know, um, a lot of technology. Like the kids can now check out laptops and the adults have laptops they can use. And we do a lot of work with computers and for all those people we have hotspots so if you don't have internet service or if you're going to go backpacking and you want to make sure you have you know wi-fi wherever you are you can check out a hotspot and take that with you for a week and so we have a lot of people who don't who live in a place where they don't have good reliable internet service and they're just constantly checking out hotspots from us so mm-hmm. they have they have their wi-fi at home or wherever they are at the time you know so we do we do things like that we you know we We're we're always looking at other things. We're looking at like, should we have bike tools? You know, things that people don't necessarily want to buy, but they might want to have access to periodically. Um, So we're always thinking about these things. What's the next thing that we need to have available? And we just sit around sometimes we'll just have a meeting and discuss it. And like, you know, if we get this, will people use it? How, you know, is it going to come back? Okay. We now we're back into vinyl. So we've always had music like CDs but now we're checking out vinyl again, and you can check out a record player. And if you don't have a record player at home, you can take this home and check out a bunch of records and listen to records right at home.
0: And it has a speaker. It has a speaker. In it, yeah. Is it the Fisher Price? <laughs> it looks like that.
1: I mean, it's you know, it opens up in this case, uh-huh. and it's got these two little speakers. Not the best sound, um, but it kind of gets you into that, and then you can decide if you want to, you know, buy a turntable and. Uh-huh. Uh, I check out, I've, I've always been a, a I've always had a record player. Um, so that's how I don't do digital music. So I'm always checking out records and buying records. Um, it's just the way I've listened to music growing up and it just never stopped.
0: Did the library retain its vinyl collection, say from the seventies, no. eighties. So it's having to reacquire. Yes. vinyl?
1: Yeah. It was something we decided, you know, was, would there be interest in there, you know, from the public? And so we did some special funding with the foundation and they kind of seeded it and gave us the, the original, the seed money to start with a small collection. I'm not sure how many records are in there now. There's maybe 100. Uh, it's always growing, you know, and people can always submit purchase suggestions and say, OK, I want this album by the Rolling Stones or whatever. Um, so it's a small collection. Our digital music collection is probably closer to like 40,000 titles, you know? So we use a service called Hoopla and you can use your library card and log into Hoopla and just start streaming music and, you know, checking out uh, records, I guess, digital albums. Uh, and they also have music or movies and TV shows. Um, so we do streaming with that kind of stuff. And then there's ebooks and digital audiobooks that you can
0: download and um, all kinds of things like that. You guys found a book for me that <clears throat> wasn't in print anymore. And you were quite surprised that a library even loaned it to you. Um, it was a, a book that Booker T. Washington had authored that I wanted to read. And it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I think I paid like a dollar for $2 for shipping. Yeah. And I got to borrow the book on the same terms of a library.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's great because we're a small library. And the cool thing about Wyoming is all of the libraries in the state of Wyoming are connected. Mm -hmm. And so if if you have a library card at the Teton County Library, you can be over in Lander and use the Fremont County Library and check out a book there. And if you want to return it, you can return it here and we'll send it back to them. Hmm. And then we loan books to each other through interlibrary loan uh, all the time. So we're always getting we're sending books out to other libraries and other libraries are sending books to us. So our actual collection might be, you know, 90,000 or 100,000, you know, physical items in the building. But we have access to stuff all over the state and really all over the country because we'll get stuff from other out of state, too. If we need to, and then now we've gotten rid of the two dollar fee. We're just we waived it. We got rid of overdue fees. Um, we're just trying to make it easier for people to use the services and the materials. Uh, and most libraries are doing that. They're getting. They found overdue fees were not really an incentive to return your stuff on time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and really it, it mostly punished children. You know, mm. they didn't they didn't have an email address. You know, they didn't know their item was overdue. They didn't. Uh, they don't have a job. They don't have a wallet if you say, hey, you owe a dollar, they're going to be like, you know, I'm six.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so instead, what happens is if you don't return your items, it just cuts off your card. And, we says, and then you come to the library and we say, hey, do you still have this book? Yeah. Well, return it. And then you have access to everything again.
0: Mm-hmm. Or pay for it if you lose it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's working out better.
0: I, I want to go back to the tie thing. I'm, cur- <laughs> I'm very <laughs> curious. very curious uh from the staff over there what's some of the most unusual things that you've heard other libraries checking out
1: uh seeds seeds yeah how does that work i i that one i'm i'm not sure but some libraries have a seed library and
0: and where is where is that is there any in the I, u.s
1: yeah in the u.s um huh. i'm not sh- i have to i'd have to look it up and see where i read about that but um Yeah. And I don't know how they, I don't know how they replenish it because you're not going to return it. You know, obviously if you plant it, you're going to grow a plant, but you know, libraries everywhere are just like so innovative. And we think of them as these like really old, like really old school place for Luddites almost, you know, uh, you go there to get a book, Um, but we're so much more than that. And I I think the number one, the thing that's most used in our library is probably the Wi Fi. People use this as a home office. You know, we've got the study rooms, we've got little desks and carols where people will just, you know, sit there for most of the day and work, people who work remotely. We get a lot of people from out of town who, you know, I, I, all summer long, it's been people from out of town coming in saying, I've got a job interview. I've got, you know, I've got work to do remotely. Where can I go that I can, I can use, you know, Wi-Fi and be quiet? And so we give them a study room for two hours and- mm-hmm. They can do their job interview or take a test. A lot of people taking tests. Yeah, we, yeah we, we'll do proctored exams. And sometimes people just throughout wherever, wherever they're going to school, they'll have to take a test remotely. Um, and, you know, so we provide the space for them.
0: Do you guys act as proctors, like observing?
1: We can. It's, you know, it's minimal observation because we're not going to just sit there and watch you take a test. Mm-hmm. We have one study room that's behind the main desk. And we actually have our own computer in there that you can log in and set up. Generally, the, the place that's giving the test has their own kind of safety net. They make you turn on a camera. They'll ask us if they're going to monitor it to make sure you don't go in with notes or a phone, uh, that sort of thing. And you know, you're you just there with the computer taking the test. Hmm. Um, wow.
0: Yeah. Now, when you and I were talking last, last week or the week before... Um you had mentioned that you have your own podcast. Yeah. And and the name of that podcast is it's back of the stacks.
1: Um
0: back, of, back of the stacks.
1: stacks. Yeah. So it's about the library. It's I don't even remember who started it. It started long before I worked here. And it's always on KHOL. So I'll, I'll go in and record it a uh, lot, mostly I've been recorded at KHOL, and then it airs every Sunday at noon. And then it lives as a podcast on SoundCloud. And it's just about the library. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, someone speaking, like I recorded Governor, Governor Gordon's uh, talk when he was at the Center for the Arts. I record the, uh, the Cabin Fever Story Slam stories, and we'll air those. I'll clean them up and air those on, on the podcast and KHOL. And sometimes I'll interview people. I don't even know. I think I've been doing it for about three years, probably started about the same time you did. And it's, you know, it's pretty fun. I've, I've always enjoyed it. And then during the pandemic KHOL actually closed the studios for a little while. So I had to start doing it from home and teach myself, you know, download some free software and teach myself how to do it. And, you know, you're kind of fumbling along. And now a lot of times I just do it on a, a pretty basic uh, smartphone. That's how I'll record it. And then I'll edit it on uh, Audacity. It's nice to go into K2L because they've got a professional studio, professional mics, soundboard, everything. It's pretty cool. And it sounds much better than when I'm doing it in my bedroom, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The mic makes a big difference as we learned uh, just this afternoon.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And the room you're in, you know, like... Mm -hmm. The thing I learned from listening to NPR did a a basically a a story on how to do podcasts. And they were talking to one of the reporters was saying he's always on the road. And so he's recording usually from a hotel room and he takes all the pillows and lines them up around the desk and then puts the microphone in the middle so that it has the the sound doesn't bounce around. It hits
0: the pillow and just kind of it's softer. Interesting.
1: Yeah. A soft space is better than like hard walls. You know or hard floors if it's carpeting is better like when you go into k2l the studio is lined with like foam
0: yeah you know it feels very soft yeah yeah (laughs) hey jerry we're going to take a quick break to have a word from one of our sponsors and then we're going to come right back and talk more about library all right Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov recycle and join today. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling would like to remind you to bring your reusable bags with you when you go shopping for groceries or at your favorite store around town. Remember that reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet. If you wash those bags frequently, you'll keep the germs off of your food and whatever else you buy around town. We're removing millions of single-use products from the waste stream and you can help reduce the amount of paper bags purchased by remembering those reusable bags. Also available at the trash transfer station is food waste composting and yard waste composting. Give them a call at 307-733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operations. And additional support comes from the vault of Jackson Hole, Jackson Hole's only climate controlled wine storage facility and offering temperature controlled storage for businesses around town. Give them a call at 307-248-6392 to connect today. Jerry, welcome back. Um, We're just talking about the podcast that you have, um, Back of the Stacks. And for the people that are Listening that might not know what K H O L is, why don't you tell them what what K H O L is?
1: K-H-O-L, I think is the only community community radio station in Wyoming. Um, it's located in the Center for the Arts downstairs. Uh, they have a you know an on air studio, and then they have a couple of recording rooms where they record stuff. And it's public radio, so it's a lot of volunteers, uh, DJs playing music. But then they have some hired, you know, some paid staff who do the news. Um, they do their own podcasts uh, and they do the news, all kinds of stories about Jackson, about Wyoming. It's really cool. I mean, I highly encourage people to listen to KJL. It's always funky. You never know what you're going to hear musically because it's, it's determined by who the DJ is that day or that hour, two hours, you know. Um, but the news is great. They've got some, some really good people, Will and Kyle. Uh, doing the news there that they do a really good job. So uh, I, I was just handed this podcast, you know, the Rebecca Huntington, who's now at the news and guide used to work at the library and she was recording back at the stacks for the library and she was leaving and she's like, do you want to take it over? And I was kind of like, well, why me? I had been on the show once, I had no experience. And she's like, I think you'd be great. And then I, I think that meant everybody else she asked had said no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the only person who didn't say no. Um, so I've been doing it for a few years now and it's been fun. It's a great learning experience.
0: You know, I like it. And I'm curious to know you, you, you said some items that you record and you put up there as, as well. I mean, you said that you've been doing it for three years. Yeah, I think so. That's a lot of content to talk about or to provide from the library. Yeah. And I, I think it shows how important the library is, not just to our community, but to any community. Yeah, that's and so true. Do you think there's barriers? People feel that there's a barrier sometimes as far as to come to the library and see what's there.
1: I, I think there there naturally are. If you if you haven't been to the library, like you maybe you you had a card, you know, 20 years ago and you don't have one now it's like, how do you get started? How do you do this? But it's, I mean, it's a pretty open and engaging place. All you pretty much, you just walk in and anybody can use the library. We don't restrict, you know, who gets to come in and use it other than you have to be eight years old to be here alone. Um, But to get a library card, you just have to, in here, you just have to prove residency. So you show a photo ID. If you've got a local driver's license, you can get a library card, you know, and we try to be as kind of open and helpful as possible. You know, I guess, if you look at like government entities, libraries are universally the one that people like the most, huh. you know? Nobody likes to go to the county to have to pay your, you know, your property taxes or renew your license plates or, you know, that kind of stuff. Nobody likes the IRS, you know? But libraries, you know, which is a government entity essentially, people are just generally, they like, you know, libraries are pretty cool, it's free, you know? You pay for it through your property taxes, but you can walk out of here with, you know, four or five books or however many books you want to take home and movies and you know video games or whatever. And you know, all we ask for is that little card with the barcode on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty cool what you have access to with your library card. But even not with the library card. Like you said, the library card gets you access to check stuff out. Right. It's open to everyone. Yeah to go to the library. Now, I some of the resources I've been blown away by are some of the online resources. And I and I and I believe that even for for business research, there's access to some stuff that you can only access online at the library. And then there's some stuff that you can access from home using your library card portal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of we have a lot of databases. And all of that is tied in with the state. So the state library in Cheyenne purchases access to a lot of these different research databases, mm-hmm. and then they're shared throughout the state. Um, and like you said, yeah, some of them you can just you can go online and use it from home, and some of them you have to be at the library. Uh, some of them have limited usage. There's one, uh, it might be Morningstar, that only one person at a time can use. So if you're using it, I have to wait. Okay you know, but Consumer Reports is a really good one, you know, to, to subscribe to Consumer Reports is probably fairly expensive for an individual. But if you have a library card, you can log in and you can, you know, do whatever research, you know, to buy a car or an appliance or whatever Consumer Reports is writing about at that time. And you can, and it's all archives. You can go back and look at older stuff too.
0: Um, is that accessible from home? From-
1: that, that one, yeah, that one is. That one's accessible from home. And all of those, you go onto the website and you go under digital and you can see all the databases. Like if you can, cons- you, I think it's just says consumer. You just click on it and it's going to ask you to log in that first time. You always have to have your library card number and your PIN and then you're you're good to go. Uh, the coolest one, the one I'm f- most fascinated with lately is The Great Courses. And uh, What's that? The Great Courses, it's this company that... They teach these, they used to be audio. You used to listen to them on CD. Then they did DVDs. Now they do streaming. There are courses about everything. There's courses about literature. You can learn about the the geology of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. I've been, I watched one on wine and beer and um, they're taught, they find an expert in the field who teaches a course about that topic and they run the gamut. Some of them are just one episode, might be an hour. Some of them might be 12 episodes, you know, an hour each. They're pretty fun. There's cooking courses, there's health related ones. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I've, I, and those are free. Uh, they're through, we get them through Canopy and through Hoopla. And normally we limit how many checkouts you can have through those. But with the great courses, it's unlimited checkouts. Um, so you can, you know, you can watch the everyday guide to beer or the everyday guide to wine or the everyday gourmet, Mediterranean cooking. Um, it's pretty cool.
0: I'm I'm blown away at at these resources. I had, yeah. I had no idea about
1: and sometimes it's hard to kind of get them out there. How do you tell everybody because there's so much available? Right. How do you tell everybody? I mean, usually it comes up in a conversation where somebody's like, you know, I I need to learn about X, and then we point them down that you know we send them down that rabbit hole.
0: Now I'm going to throw a question out to you. What's something that you know about the library that you think most people today would not know that they should know? Hmm. Good
1: question. I I think a lot of it comes back to all of the the new technology that we have that you wouldn't necessarily think of. You know, like Canopy, which is our digital streaming service for movies and TV shows and the great courses. You know, people might not necessarily think of that. Um, a lot of people tell me they they have an account with Audible, which is uh an audiobook service that Amazon owns. And they're like, "Well, I just subscribed to Audible." I'm like, "You know, you can get almost everything that you're getting from Audible. You can get it for free with your library card through us." You know, you can download digital audiobooks through Hoopla or through the Libby app. And it's, you know, you don't have to pay for it. You can cancel your subscription. You no, know, Canopy is like Netflix, except it doesn't have the same content. You know, all of these streaming services now own their content and they don't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. So the streaming that we get through Canopy is more independent movies, foreign films, documentaries, and the great courses. So we're not going to have like Ted Lasso. Uh, not yet anyway. Uh, <laughs> when they release it to wider public or they release it on DVD, then we can get it. And there's always this kind of, even with publishers now, this, this sort of, they own the content. They don't want to necessarily give it all to libraries, even though we pay for it. Uh, one publisher recently decided that with eBooks, they wanted to wait, they wanted to put a six month moratorium, so you could buy it the day it was released, but a library could not purchase it for the first six months that it was out because they oh, wanted, people. I know in the end, COVID killed that idea. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a small victory for libraries. And when we buy an audio book, when you think of an audio, or a, an ebook, you can look at a book that's let's say a $25 hardcover and the ebook might be $15 on Amazon. When a library buys an ebook, it's probably like $50 or more. And we don't necessarily own it forever. We might own it for just two years and then we have to buy it again um, because we're loaning it out. And they work kind of, a lot of times they work just like a physical book. So if if we have an ebook and you have it checked out, I have to wait until you're finished reading it before I can check it out because we might own just one digital copy Mm. of that ebook. The other service we use is Hoopla and they let us, for that one, we pay by the download. So we have a wide range of titles available. And if, let's say our book, a book club wants to read it, all five people in the book club can download it and read it simultaneously. And then the library just pays for each download. Hmm. We might just pay a couple dollars each time somebody downloads it. Um, It's kind of a evolving system and kind of, you know, this sort of brave new world of publishers and content providers trying to figure out, what is fair value for this material, you know, instead of just selling it to one person and having them own it, selling it to a library and allowing them to check it out, you know, with a print book, we buy it and we check it out until it falls apart, you know, until it it can't be read again. Um, We own that item and we can loan it to whoever we want as many times, uh, as many times as we want. Um, It's ours. But with digital, it's a little more restricted in terms of like copyright.
0: See. I heard you say that you pay more for the digital download because of the library, depending on the service. Yeah. What about when you guys buy a book, you pay more for that book than if we I actually pay I less, you pay less.
1: Yeah. We pay pretty close to what a bookstore pays a little bit more than a bookstore, but less than the consumer, mm-hmm. you know, cause we buy them through a wholesaler and they give us a discount just like, you know, a bookstore, buy that same book. In fact, everybody pretty much uses in the country, Ingram is the largest book distributor in the country. And they sell- Amazon uses them. <laughs> Amazon uses them. Wow. I've, yes. I've been to their warehouse. So when you order a book from Amazon, you think it's coming from an Amazon warehouse and it might, but Ingram has stacks of boxes with that Amazon smile on it. Oh, my And so when they're sending a book to a consumer, it goes in a generic box. When they're sending it to a bookstore, it goes in a really big box because there's like 20 books in there. When if it could go in an Amazon box and go straight to the, the customer, and that customer has no idea, um, you know, I can tell because I know their return address. But if that box says Laverne, Tennessee, it didn't come from Amazon, it came from Ingram. Hmm. And so Ingram is probably the biggest supplier to Amazon. In fact, when it started, Amazon didn't even have a warehouse, it was just Bezos' uh, garage. And so he was just, you would order from him, he would order from Ingram, it would come to his garage and they would just repackage it and send it to you. And they still do some of that, although they, they probably have a you know, much more sophisticated inventory system now. So stuff is in their warehouse uh, or warehouses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're all ordering from Ingram. Ingram's got their own printing presses. So you know, with print on demand, there are some books that don't exist in physical form until somebody orders it. And with a lot of self-published books. And so if you want that one book, they print one copy and they've got this big machine and it spits out a book in under a minute. Cover and all. Cover and all.
0: Yeah. Huh. That's wild.
1: It is wild. It's crazy to see the rolls of paper are huge. And the whole thing is just constantly spinning and these things just come spit it out and you know, and you can say, okay, I want five copies. They print five. If you want one, they print one.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. So Jerry, if people want to reach out to you and, To become more comfortable about the library, what's a great way for them to connect with you? Just walk in the building. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm mostly on the youth services side because that's where I work, but I spend time on the adult side as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We all move around a little bit. There are people, everyone's got kind of their own specialty. Um, So there's an adult services team, there's a youth services team, there's tech, there's, you know, circulation. There's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, I mean, really, you just come, if you have any questions about the library, just come to the library, go to the front desk, go to the youth desk, whatever, and just ask whatever question you have, ask how to get a library card, you know, they're free. It's, it's all part of your property taxes. So even renters are paying property taxes indirectly. And, you know, as long as you can prove you live in Teton County, if you don't live in the county, we sell a guest card and we just ask for a $20 fee to cover for a year. And it's a bargain. Even at that, at 20 bucks, it's that's a it's unbelievable what you get for it.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: you know, if you're a renter or living in employee housing, you know, you can get a library card. And any age, we give them to kids, you know, as soon as the parent wants their child to be responsible on their own, they can have a library card. Some parents prefer to use the parent card and that works too. So it really we don't, we don't care. We don't, you know, whatever works for you works for us.
0: Yeah. The library card's way different from when I was younger, we had this card and I remember they put it in the machine and then when you check the book out, they'd pull the slip out and then they'd put it in there and you hear this, clink, <laughs> it would stamp the card. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but my eight-year-old and five-year-old, they both have library cards nice. and they love going to the library. It's great outing for them to go to the library.
1: I th- it's great working with kids. You know, they come in and they're especially... Having gone through COVID and now, you know, we started loosening up restrictions. People were back in the building and just seeing the joy of kids walking out with an entire bag of books. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were doing curbside service, people would check out one or two books at a time. They knew that I want to read these two books. When they come in the building, you know, their eyes are bigger, kind of bigger than their stomach. It's like going to a buffet. Yeah. You just load up. And take it all home and figure out what, how much you can read in that amount of time or how many movies you can watch or how much music you can listen to. You know, um, it's, it's pretty, f- I do the same thing. I, every day I leave here with something and I'm like, you can't read all this. Mm. Who are you kidding? You know,
0: I love it. I, yeah. I appreciate your enthusiasm for, for the library. It is kind of a unsung or unknown place at times and yeah, um, very important for our community and the importance of reading to kids and getting more adults to read as well. No matter what the topic, there's something for everybody. There really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Jerry. I I appreciate your time today and people will listen to this and come in and ask for you (laughs) or or for somebody else over there at the library. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you having me on the show. This has been fun. You got it. Take care, Jerry. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. To learn more about Jerry, the Teton County Library, and what you can loan out when you visit the library, visit the thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 163. Many thank you to everybody who helps keep this podcast on the air. My wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William, and Michael, who does the marketing and editing each and every week. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you back at the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.